The NRL's Easter round had many frills and spills as the NRL once again continues to surprise us. AJ and Reese will review a chaotic Easter weekend of Rugby League. Now everyone has a win on the board. This is the League Scene's look at the sixth round of the NRL season. Welcome everyone to the League Scenes look at round number six of the NRL season. Before we get into it, I hope all of my listeners had a spectacular Easter with your friends and family and of course enjoyed a shit ton of chocolate. I'm AJ Luke Antonio, a contributor of the League Unlimited website and the Front Row program. Joining me as always is my co-host, Nothing But League contributor, Reece Sullivan. Hello, hello. It's good for you to be back again, mate. It's been, what is it, been almost a week? (laughs) <laughs> Always good to be back, AJ. You know, yeah, it's been over a week actually because we recorded on Monday. Yeah, how was your Easter? Week, so. Pardon? How was your Easter, mate? Oh, pretty good. Nice dinners, chocolates. Can't argue too much. Pretty perfect. Yeah, how was yours? Yeah, it was good. Shot up to the Central Coast for the weekend with my girlfriend and uh, nearly missed the Roosters game, but luckily she loves me enough to make me watch it. <laughs> See, you got to keep her there, mate. If, if she's letting you watch rugby league on a date, you got to keep her. Exactly. So, kids out there, if you want to get a relationship, she has to be acceptive of rugby league. That is the most important piece of advice I can give you. <laughs> Just don't give her any Storm fans, so she can't watch or any Storm games, so she can't watch Pappenhausen. <laughs> Otherwise, you might steal her. That's probably why Hux hates him so much. Now that I think about it. <laughs> On today's program, we're going to go over all our games. Of course, get up with the latest, up to date with the latest news. Of course, surrounding Kalen Ponga's contract and the latest proposal to take the game to the United States as well. Growing a league at criticism of his referees and the misconception about the bottom teams, which is going to be a hell of a charge because we put out a tweet earlier on saying we we're going to be discussing this on our program, and it's received quite a bit of a reaction, hasn't it, Roosh? It has, hasn't it? It's created a bit of a debate, and of course, I want to try and keep this newsworthy only. So, into fact or fiction, I've just gone into based on the facts when we discuss this stuff. Yeah, I don't do the same. <laughs> so, without further ado, we're going to get into the football. First night football, North Queensland 18 defeated Canberra Raiders 12. It stuns me that five weeks ago we were praising Canberra for not choking against Cronulla. Yet five oh. weeks later, they give up a 12-0 lead over the Cowboys. We've uh, regressed back to the mean with the Canberra Raiders, unfortunately. <laughs> we have. Uh, we have. it. I think Jack Wyden put it best. Players took naps. They did. And this is an issue with the Raiders, with all the players they have, you know. They're a bunch of players who are very hit or miss. Yeah. And you take a look at what they were able to do in 2019, what they were able to do in 2020. Those were seasons when those guys hit, you know? Those were seasons when those guys were playing great footy and they were able to put it together and get wins. But now you're seeing the other side of it, where the footy from them is not so good. Their forward pack was absolutely atrocious this weekend. Yep. Yep. And... Against most teams, you're going to lose when your forward pack puts up the numbers they did. But especially against the Cowboys, who have a guy like Jason Tamalola, who basically blinks and gets 200 meters. I want to I want to hold you on that because I think there's two plays we can leave out of the forward pack collapsing, and that's Josh Papali'i and Joseph Tarpany. They got over 150 meters. Yeah, Papali'i played well, but even then, he still got absolutely outplayed by Tamalolo. You're not going to like the Dalian points then this week. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I'm Tom scared. Lolo didn't get a point and Josh Papali'i did. Can we end this podcast now? <laughs> I don't want to hear anymore. Uh, I don't want to hear anymore. It gets better. It gets better. Jeremiah and I got two points. For what? 
scoring the match winning try up and grab a kick. <laughs> I love that you can disappear for 79 minutes of a game and then score one try and all of a sudden you're the saviour. Five Thank carries you, for five. 33 metres. How many errors did the bloke have? Three missed tackles, four penalties conceded, yet gets two Dalian points. You can tell these Dalian voters don't actually watch the game. Like, seriously. Guess who the judge was? I Sattler. That's my guess. Lewis. Wally Lewis. I'm actually going to cry. The bloke I thought who had a brain on Channel 9 football coverage. That's unbelievable. I want to get back to the footy for a second because we all put the Cowboys down the bottom of the ladder to begin this season. Um, they're a good crop of young forwards continue to dominate. Jason Tamalolo is finally starting to re-emerge as that form player in the Cowboys forward pack. Uh, he's playing at prop with Ruben Cotters kind of sliding back into that lock position. Uh, Luke on Ford had a solid game. Tom Gilbert continues to shine. But one player that's kind of flown under the radar, hasn't really lived up to the hype there in North Queensland, has definitely been Jordan McLean. And I thought nine carries, 104 metres off the bench in half an hour. He's slowly starting to get back to that form that saw him clip the Australian squad in 2017. Yeah, you're 100% right. And I think with the Cowboys, you know, obviously their young players came came along really nicely this season. Obviously, he touched on Nanai. He didn't have the best game, no doubt on Thursday, but he's been really good for them throughout the season. Connor, you mentioned as well. Yep. He has been immense. Reese Robson as well. Hasn't he been a great... Hasn't he been good this season? Out of that number nine role, he he might be the most underrated hooker in the NL right now. You know, And again, you can't go past when you're talking about young players shining without touching on Tom Dearden. I think he's been probably one of the most improved players in the competition this season. Um, and I, I don't want to bag my Broncos, obviously, but he got out of a toxic situation with Brisbane and it's helped his career for the best. I think it has too. But um, moving away from that game, now we're going to go on to good Friday football. Uh, South Sydney 36 defeated Canterbury 16. It was a close game for about 27 minutes until Jeremy Marshall King got simbined for deliberate set restart infringements which saw South Sydney go on a free try raid just before halftime. And then really, it seemed to me South Sydney really took control by two late tries from Canterbury, from Josh Adokar and Jeremy Marshall King. That sim bidding for me really came at a bad time for Canterbury because they were starting to get on top. Kyle Flanagan had another solid game, took the was a peach of a ball to Naden for that first try. But Damian Cook has finally lived up to that form that has been missing this season. Yeah, he's hitting back well and really sets up. I know we're still a good month away from this, but it sets up a mouth-watering showdown in Origin between yep. Damien Cook and Harry Grant. Sure does. Because that basically could decide who gets first crack at number nine for the World Cup, those three games. It does. It really does. It, it should be real fun to watch. It reminds me a lot of the Ennis Farrah battles in the city country. That's one thing we need to get back in rep round. I'd 100%. love a, I'd love a city v country game because to me, club football isn't enough of an indicator for origin. I agree. But here's a question for you. Yeah. This is something I saw on the internet. Jackson Don't. Hastings, all right? Yep. Would he be eligible to still play for country? Because he's played, he's played for a first tier nation in England. No, he's okay, played for a first tier nation. He played in the the Test match, I think, against was it Papua New Guinea, twenty nineteen. He played in the Lions tour. Yeah, the, the Lions tour, and they got they yeah. got beaten by Papua New Guinea, and I laughed my ass off about it yeah. for a solid week. Um, I remember that because first first they get beaten, or first they beat New Zealand. Yeah, and it was like. Oh, yeah. That, no, sorry, they get beaten by New Zealand. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, it's New Zealand. Then they get beaten by Tonga. And it's like, all right, well, Tonga's still pretty good. And then they get beaten by Papua New Guinea. It's hilarious. And that's still the last time we've seen international footy, unfortunately. Yeah, we do have a good, solid Papua New Guinean audience too, so they'll be happy we acknowledge that. Yeah, shout out to Papua New Guinea. Hopefully, hopefully we'll touch on some NRL games going international later in the podcast, but hopefully... 
we end up getting a game in Port Moresby in the near future. Because I think that game, well, I didn't even have to think it. I know that game would be an absolute sellout. It would be. Um, but we've got to touch on Canterbury. Um, poor discipline, amongst other things, really made it a terrible afternoon for Canterbury. And it's such a shame because they started so well. They did. It was a much better Canterbury side than what we've seen the last few weeks. Um, There's going to be a butt coming, though. Yeah. But you have to do it for 80 minutes. And I know you can just say the sin bidding was a turning point because it pretty much was. But? But they played 70 minutes with 13 players. That 10-minute period shouldn't decide the game. The Bulldogs let the Rabbitohs build the lead through that 10 minutes, through that sin bidding. Mm-hmm. And then just never put their heads back up to play the footy that they needed to to win that game. What hurt most, I think, was that double whammy straight after going down to 12 men. Um, and I can tell you that from experience being a Broncos fan last year, you know, we had so many of those. And it hurts the momentum of a team when you've already taken one hit with the sin bidding. You know you're going to be down to 12 for the next 10 minutes. And then you immediately can see the try. Yeah. Um, one other thing I want to touch on, Joy Arrow's face patch. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? It's a new one. I can't don't recall I, one. That, pardon? I can't recall seeing one. Yeah, no, I don't think I've seen that before. It's very unique. And I think, you know, obviously everything these days is done on medical advice. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, just dirty. Gonna, I'm, just, I'm just going to assume he was told to do that. <laughs> I'm just dirty on Souths because they took a head um, physio uh, trap tumour. Yeah, fair enough. I can't blame you for that. Um, injury to come out of that game. Braden Birds has done his hamstring. We'll also touch on the team lists later in the program because we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, yeah. Well, we kind of had to this week. Yeah, kind of had to. Thank you, Easter Monday. Um, good Friday, second match. So Penrith 40 defeat Brisbane 12. And I'm going to say... It was a good game right up until halftime. I think it's safe to say. Yeah, I think that is another time this season, another time in the last few seasons, where we've battled for the first half. Then we can see the try right on halftime and the Broncos' heads just drop. That absolutely killed you, that short ball to Sorensen. It sucks. It, I don't want to relive it. Basically, when I saw that, I knew we weren't going to win this game because I know too well how the Broncos play. 100%. But I think if there's a positive for Brisbane, Palacia had his breakout game. Yeah. It's Uh, always... I love it. Palacia, you know... I mean, Corey Jensen ran for 164 metres as well. He is our guy. Obviously, you know, when you think of Brisbane's... Front row. That's yeah, the penthouse. The headline guy is always going to be, you know, Keenan Pelagia and or Palacia. Mm-hmm. And I think to see him have that game, it sets him up really well for the future. Yeah, I agree with that. And also, I think what also hurt Brisbane was that Katoni Stags knock on just prior to that, where he drops Although, the ball over the line. That said. That said, even after staying with Palacio, and even though I'm happy he had that breakup get, breakout go, mm-hmm. I still would like to see more of Brendan Piacura in person. Isn't he had injured? I swear he's got he, a grade three hamstring tear. Yeah, he's injured at the moment. But I would like to see him play more in first grade. He played one game at the back in the last season. Hopefully when he's healthy, he's quite, because he is a heck of a player. Obviously, we had that bidding war with the Bulldogs last season to sign him. So You got good raps on him. Yeah, we've invested a lot of money in him, so yeah. Okay. Hopefully, he can show the world how much he's going to repay us in the near future. On to Penrith now, and I think it's safe to say that um, no one's going to stop them. The way that they're playing football at the moment, um, they just seem to be in sync on absolutely everything that they're doing. Like they're going through the the motions, it seems, but they're still capable of doing enough to get over the top of the opposition. This is a team there that's been playing together. This is like this call. It's their fifth season together. 
you know, I think this is what happens when you get a team, even with how young they are, because they're still a very young team. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of players on that side that still have a decade of first grade football ahead of them. I mean, Nathan Clear is just re-signed for what five years? Yep, exactly. He's accepted his contract through to 2027. That's massive. It is massive, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's such a young team, but they have so much chemistry. Hundred um, percent. It shows on the field with just how easy they make it look. Indeed. Um, what are your thoughts on the Palacia Edwards slapathon? Because uh, everyone seemed to forget that open hand slaps are ten in the bin now. It's been that yeah, way since twenty seventeen. You can thank David Clement for that one. I think we brought this up a few weeks ago when Chad got done. Yeah, we did. We had this conversation before, and I think I'll say the same thing. It's right for the game, but but I don't like it. <laughs> I agree. I still think Origin should be free for all. That would be fun. I'd love free for all Origin. I just okay, love let's, it. Let's let's compromise there because we want to protect the players. We'll compromise free for alls in deciders only. Yes. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Manly twenty six defeat the Gold Coast eighteen. I want to say off the top of the pro, off the top of the review here. Jesus, it was nice to see a full Brookvale. It was, and it was a nice, it was a nice day for Brookvale over footy as well. Like, I mean, you could just see, like, it was a, it was a good atmosphere. That new stand's amazing at Four Points. I mean, I covered the game for League Unlimited, so yeah, you could just see that. Something is brewing there that is amazing. Well, it's like, you know, for years, we've always said Brookvale's the worst stadium in the NRL. But they've turned it around. They have turned it around. The new grandstand is absolutely lovely. The Bob Fulton stand. Yep. Absolutely lovely. It suits the ground perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's so much more modern while still being the traditional suburban ground that Manly have had for so many years. Hundred percent, it has. Um, but onto the f- on-field action now. I think Manly, safe to say, are looking good again. But the problem that we keep saying is they're beating up on the mid to low level teams. Like the problem I have with this game, they led twenty-four to four and nearly got ran down. Yeah, it's, that's the problem I have. It's weird because. Obviously, last year, we saw them be the flat-track bullies that we know and love. But we yep. didn't see them get almost run down in the games against teams like the Titans. No, and they were doing the chasing. Remember when they were down 24-8 over the Titans just after Origin? Then Turbo got the hat-trick and saved the day? Yeah, because that was basically what happened then was Manly was susceptible to getting blitzed early in the game. And they'd lose their footing. But now, it seems like it's the opposite. Manly are happy to go on the attack early in the game, but then mm-hmm. they have to sort of weather the storm in the second half. Because you saw the same thing against the Bulldogs. Even though Manly were able to squeak out the win, mm-hmm. the Bulldogs looked a lot better in the second half than they did in the first half. Mm-hmm. And it's worrying for Manly because, you know, already... They were susceptible against the bigger teams, against the teams that are going to compete for a premiership. They didn't have a single win against a team inside the top four last year. Exactly. So now what's going to happen come finals when they're in an it's arm the best wrestle? Of the best. For, they're in an arm wrestle for the first 40 minutes of a the game. They keep it close and then they fade away in the second half. How's that going to look on Des Hazel's resume? Doesn't look good. Didn't Josh, John Morris got sacked, remember? Because of his inability to beat the big clubs. Um, now, I'm, not wanna... saying, I'm not going to say Manly are as apathetic towards their coaches as Prunella are. Yeah. But at the end of the day, at what point do Manly start to ask questions about Des? Hopefully, with all the new modern facilities, things can kind of get back on track a little bit for them. But I want to touch on the Gold Coast, if I can. Another slow start against the big club. They started slow last week against Parramatta, worked their way back into the game, lost it at the back end. Same story again. Justin Holbrook is sick and tired of saying the same things over and over again. One play to me that summed it up was they just scored a try in the first half. 
Then they want to go on a shift on play zero. Asako gets a hospital ball, loses it. Next set, Foran goes in and scores and effectively seals the game by halftime. It's just that lack of patient football that has royally screwed them this season. AJ, you know how I feel about Jermaine Asako. I know, I, I know you've got bad feelings against the bloke, but I'm giving him benefit of doubt for that hospital ball. Not for some of the other things that happened during the game, <clears throat> the short 10. Yeah, I don't even want to get into that because that's not the first time he's done that. Um... Take it you've seen uh, a few of those. <sighs> <That one. laughs> Look. The one, this one wasn't even his fault, but the one in the against the Bulldogs in 2018. Was that the short 10 of the The dropout went short 10, and Kahu picks it up and goes over the line. That's right. In a close game, too. Yeah, well, I remember that now. The memories are coming back to me. It still haunts me to this day. But anyway, off that bad memory. Um, the Titans just look weird. There's just no seem, there's just no gel. Yeah, I think the issue is the hooker. Aaron Clark isn't a NRL quality hooker. And I think I mean, that's plain to see for almost everyone. We said that though for years. We said that we said that back in 2021. Yeah. The issue is, if you're the Titans, who do you play at hooker? If you drop Aaron Clark, are you going to risk Tyler Boyd playing hooker? I think you bite the ball and take one of the Roosters' four hookers that aren't going to get a game because Verrills is the starter. Lusick and Marshke are plotting away in New South Wales Cup that have suitable NRL experience. They're better players, in my view, than Aaron Clark, and I think should get a crack. I would 100% be on board with Marshke going to the Titans. 100%. Or do you go even riskier and poach Drew Hutchison? Just as that calming or head that can help those young guys. Or, or here we go. Here's our little um, bias showing for our area. Do you approach the Panthers and try to learn in Raleigh Smith? <laughs> nah, Schmitty's uh, well and truly staying in Penrith. I can safely guarantee that story for you. Uh, you know, I've seen some conversations about him on Twitter recently. Yeah, Jack O'Mara now. Man himself. Yeah. I've, been I've also seen a few murmurs of whether he's the second or third choice hooker for the Panthers at the moment. Yeah, he's been he's been playing um, SG ball at the moment because they're in the semifinals. But before yeah. the start of the season, he was playing before um, Ball needed him to pad their roster. He was playing flag. There's a hot debate as well uh, regarding the Panthers hookers because they have a hooker playing in Harold Matz as well. They do. He's a very good prospect. Yeah, he was lining it up last season especially, and there was yeah. some debates on whether or not him or Smith would be the guy to sort of usurp Mitch Kenny next season with Coruscant on. Be interesting. But they've also got Sonny Luke, who's been playing ISP this season. But we'll get onto that a little bit later down the track when it comes to it. But I think for the Titans moving forward, they need a number nine that can see it. They're much like the Bulldogs, where they just need a nine that can actually pass the football off the ground. Um. As Reese knows, that's my biggest pet hate at the Roosters when Sammy Verrills doesn't play. <laughs> well, at least it's not Jake Friend throwing the ball forward. Oh, God. Let's get your multis out, kids. Um, <laughs> let's have a look. Um, Tino Fasil Moali had a good game. David Fafita had 85 fantasy points. Uh, 14 carries, 131 metres. Better game say, from him. Just quickly, Fafita's the one who would benefit the most from replacing Aaron Clark. Oh, 100% he would. Because right now, all his service is coming off the back of Brimson or Sexton. and Sexton. Because like, what are they doing? They're just, they're just going, like they're giving it to Sexton and then they're turning for feeder. They're going either one off the ruck and then they're, or they're turning him on the inside off that extra out, aren't they? Yeah. Fafita's never in a position where he can get the ball from the hooker and have a play go on at the back. He's never in the position even when it's in the attacking phase and the halfback's on the other side of the field, the hooker will never go down the blind side and give the ball to Fafita. You know what I'd like to see? I know Penrith run this play very successfully when they have Kikau receiving the sweep. Why don't the Titans use Fafita in that sweep? They definitely can. I remember 
this is going to show my age here, but I remember the Broncos doing that with Dave Taylor. <laughs> I do show years your age. Years ago. <laughs> like that exact sort of play. Especially in one game, I think it was round 20s, like round 20 or 21 or something like that, against the Dragons in 2009. This is showing your age. <laughs> yeah. I remember, he, I remember he scored two tries that day off that exact play, a short side sweep around the rough. And he just burnt. I think it would have been Ben Cray. Let me confirm. Trying to mock him. Let me confirm this. Round 24 at Wynn Stadium. Dave Taylor, only one try. Oh, he had a try on try assist. Sorry. Yeah. Brisbane only played two on the bench that day. He only uh, played. The classic Ivan Henjack coaching. Yeah, he was, he was marking up against either Matt Pryor or Ben Craig. We all know Matty Pryor is a good friend of the show. <laughs> After him using his incident as a character witness. <laughs> but, yeah, it's interesting what Justin Holbrook's got to do. And you can really make the argument now. Holbrook's been there for, what, three seasons? And realistically, to start the season, six rounds in, um, two wins, four losses. Or is it – are they two and two, two and four or three and three? Hang on a sec, I'll check for you. They're, I'm pretty sure they're two and four. They've only beaten the Warriors and the Tigers. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. I'm just going to double check to make sure. You'd like to be uh, correct. Yeah, two and four. Okay, they're thank the, you. They're the highest ranked two and four side based on point differential, which says something, but yeah, two and 100%. four nonetheless. Okay, uh, Saturday's night cap. Melbourne 34 defeated the Sharks 18 in. What was an actual very good game of football? Um... Reese, you covered this game for nothing but league. I'm going to let you take this one, my friend. Oh, it was a very fun game to watch. It, like even though the scoreboard suggests the Storm were in control, they really weren't. Because every time, really, realistically, all that happened every time the Sharks would score, the Storm would just hit back and score again. Um. Yeah. So Cameron Munster had probably you could argue the best game he's played in his career. I think you might have a few Queensland fans saying that Origin free last year okay. to 2020. Outside of Origin. Outside of Origin. Oh, we're using NRL that descriptor. And they're all early. All right. You know, he was sensational. He had he what? Two, three line breaks. I'll just, I've got the stats up here yeah, for Munster. Two line breaks, one try assist, 16 carries of the footy, 183 meters, four tackle breaks. And 11 tackles. Yeah, try, only one try assist, but he set up more than one. He set up the try to Olam with that beautiful uh, pass to Beanie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Beanie gets a try assist for that because he threw the last pass. The short ball um, off the scrum. Yep, short ball off the scrum. And then, obviously, the try with um, Pappenhausen. My favourite thing about that try, Cameron McInnes legitimately diving at thin air. Yes. He was like a porpoising dolphin. <laughs> Have you seen they've already made the, um, what's they it called? They've not made the... Dun, 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 yes, dun. they made the No! <laughs> yes. Hang on a sec. I'll try and find the tweet and send it to you. I know Darcy already got onto it. No. They have not already done that. Already done it. <laughs> like they're very, they are very, very quick with it. Found it already. Bang, I'm saying it to you now. Oh, God, this is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, back on topic. If you haven't seen that, it's on TikTok. I'll pull up who it's from in a second. I'm just yeah. trying to get it to send to AJ. Also, um, while we're here, I managed to find the name of the journalist who we were looking to give credit to last week. So, if yeah. that, you want to track him, his name is Mike Mehal Wood. He works for the yeah. Raw and was the one that asked that beautifully statistician like question to Trent Barrett, where Trent Barrett walked out. Yeah. By the way, there was a something came out today. Um, guess how many touches Jackson Hastings had the ball yesterday? Oh, I seen this. Wasn't it ninety? Ninety touches. Meanwhile, <laughs> wow. Bulldogs halfbacks are the maximum they've had in the game is thirty-three. Hundred percent. 100%. Um, and so for the TikTok, it's at NRL underscore cinematic on TikTok. Check it out. Check it out. I've sent it to AJ, so I'm sure he'll watch it. Have a great laugh because 
It's AJ. Yep, and these memes are an absolute classic. Um, one thing I do want to touch on, the Sharks left edge actually looks dynamic. Talakai and Mulatalo building a mammoth combination. Yeah, it's fun. I, I gave Talakai my two points for the player of the year voting. Yeah, Josh Robbo was judging the game for League Unlimited and he gave him two as well. Monster three? Yep. All in one? He gave Mulatalo one. Ah, okay, fair enough. I gave all of my one point. But either way, yeah, Talakai was immense for him. He was easily the biggest reason why they were still in that game. Uh, Nico Hines played well too. I like that trick shot play where they kicked over the top to Ramian. Well, that's what happens when you spend so many years under a Bellamy system. You learn the little tips to to beat it. And I put that in my article previewing the game this week. That game too. Mm, okay. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> it is very fun. Sunday football, Roosters 22 defeating the Warriors 14. It was back to the old at, at the Sydney Cricket Ground on Sunday as the Roosters commemorated their 2002 Premiership win with a tough, gritty win over an informed Warriors side. And it's safe to say that the Roosters win despite being scrappy. It's safe to be said, oh, hang on, this isn't right, Reese. This isn't right. It says they completed at 81%. This is very unrooster-like. No. No way. They completed at 81% and we only won by eight points. I guarantee you Trent Robinson at halftime told them to knock the ball in a couple of times to bring the completion rate back low. For those that know, and this is why I hate Fox commentary, they say every time the Roosters knock on, oh, this is very unroosters like when all they have to do is look at the statistic sheet and find the Roosters down the dead bottom of the barrel for completion rate. <laughs> it's hilarious because everyone thinks the Roosters are this professional side like Melbourne who don't make mistakes. Like, come on, like, Roosters Twitter absolutely give it to them every single week. There's like a group of us that have it in our pre-tweets. Ready to go at a certain point in the game. Easy drafts every week. Ready yes. To yes. And all we have to do is change the name from Blocker to Mick to Blocker to Mick. <laughs> um, but it's safe to say Joseph Sawali has well and truly locked down a wing spot for the season, probably at the expense of Kevin Nagama. Um, Sammy Verrells looks solid coming back in. Um, Lindsay Collins, he's probably firming for a Queensland prop spot now even more with Christian Welsh's injury. Um, but I think it's safe to say the Warriors are going to be around this year. They're going to test teams. I thought Adam Fanua Blake, once again, incredibly solid. Um, Bunty Afoa too was really good. Um, but they just lacked execution. Yeah. The Warriors are definitely this year's ambush team. Oh, they've got to be. Just the team that's going to come in any given week, come in against a big team and push them to the limit. Who was last year's ambush team? I'm trying to remember. Um, we didn't have any because the big teams just didn't lose. True. That's a very good point. <laughs> um, hang on. Reese. this can't be true. The Roosters had another week where they complete where they kicked at 100% goal kicking. AJ. The apocalypse is happening. AJ. What? We don't talk about last week's game anymore. <laughs> You're going to give me PTSD because the one time I needed you guys not to go 100% goal kicking, (laughs) you went 100% goal kicking. (laughs) I'm sorry, dude. I had to do that. I had to do it. It is rare. We can right now. All right. If we recorded this in the studio, you would see the pain in my eyes. It's almost identical to that one Sharks game in 2020. God, I think I've still got that video. You do, you do. <laughs> I mean, it could be worse. It could be me, the hardest 60 to 8, me just sitting in the corner of my room trying to hold back tears. <laughs> that was different. That was You had, like, me and Sean not knowing what to do, whether to give it to you or just give you space. <laughs> Regardless of what you guys did, it was the funniest night I've ever watched my team get smashed. You came in so confident to that game, too. I wasn't confident because I know we always lose to South, but yeah, I just but you wanted... Said, you said there was a chance of an ambush. I remember you saying there was a chance of an ambush. I just wanted a solid performance going into the finals, knowing we'd have to play against Penrith. 
it was definitely the most hilarious thing in the world to see an arch rivalry game devolve into the Rabbitohs crossing the line and passing the ball back to Alex Johnson to get a fifth try. Yeah, that that was not that was not pretty. Absolutely not pretty. That's like the definition of. I I remember I had a white T-shirt on that night and I was waving it around trying to wave it like a white flag. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very bad night and um. Yeah, and it got so much better for the Roosters that season, didn't it? <clears throat> Can't find oh, it. Definitely. Screwed it. Definitely. You know, you went into finals week one, and you took a very great win over the Panthers. Oh, wait. We had a 10-0 lead, and I wanted to streak on the field with COVID. <laughs> oh, well, at least you then went the next week, and James Tedesco had an absolute blinder against Canberra. <sighs> oh, he, had a, he had an ice skating moment. I remember that <laughs> moment vividly. <laughs> okay, we course. gave it to you that night, too. You did. You did. I, was it Hayden who said, oh, Tedesco's hit the deck? Yes. <laughs> Grand final night, though, I got my revenge. Yes, he did. And then, obviously, last season, he gets the last laugh. He does. I mean, we did some good commentary in that final series. It was fun. I loved the commentary we did last finals. Also, <laughs> remember, like, this is all coming back to me now, 2020 finals. Rabbitohs nights when I had the multi I gave to my mate. And it got up. We were just riding it home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Enough talking about random stuff. <laughs> um, Sunday footy, Reese, are going to drive the debate on this one because I missed this as I was obviously weighing Terrigal. Uh, Dragons 21 defeated Knights 16. Yeah. So obviously we touched on um, the beauty of the new Brookvale earlier. Yep. Win Stadium. Just put on an absolute show, like in terms of natural beauty. It looked really good. Yeah, and I, it make it reignites what I have that there should be a standalone Wollongong team in the NRL. It looks very nice because for Wind Stadium to only have four games a year is absolutely criminal. It is a beautiful piece of art. It is, but alas, anyway, let's talk about. The art on the field. Um, the Dragons. I was very impressed by their performance. Very, very impressed. They looked a completely different team to what we'd seen the last few weeks. And yeah, I know you can say that the Knights aren't the best at the moment. And they've got their own injury problems. They've got their own injury problems, I know. But at the end of the day, they're still a good team. And they're still, on paper, a better team than the Dragons, even with the injuries. Did you tip Knights? I tipped Knights, yeah. I took them as well. And, yeah, the Dragons didn't take a backward step. The game, it was such a good game, such a back-and-forth game. And then Zach Lomax with the field goal in the end. And then the icing on the cake with the try for the Dragons to make it 21-16. I heard Lomax um, caused a bit of shit with Tyson Frizzell. Yes, he did. So in one of the Dragons' tries... Mm-hmm. Frizzell was sort of hovering around the dragon celebrating pack. And being an ex-dragon, obviously, he does still have connections with those teammates, with his teammates. So Lomax may or may not have jumped on his back. <laughs> Ultimate shit has removed right there. Copped a one thousand dollar fine for it though, so it bounces out. What? Yeah, from the judiciary. Contrary conduct. Oh my god, we've gone woke. To be fair, it almost started a fight and it led to Clemmer going up at halftime and doing the old James Graham finger point. <laughs> what do you learn from the Good Friday game in 2014? 15. I keep forgetting. Yes, My mate was the touchy and got hit by the bottle. Ah, yes, I remember that one. Um, what was it? Um, I'm, I had, I've had Penrith fans on my Twitter feed whinging that, oh, he got fined. Stephen Crichton got fined for pushing Joe Tarpany. It's fair. Well, Lomax has been fine too, so stop talking. Yeah, I think Francis Milo also got charged with a high tackle, but all the penalties this week were fines. No one got suspended. Okay. Yeah, just, the... need to, just need to find an old video about two of two teammates getting into a bar fight. Then there'll be some suspensions. <laughs> okay, Easter Monday. And boy, didn't we have a resurrection. Uh, West Tigers 21. <laughs> West really? Tigers... That's what you lead off with? <laughs> We had a resurrection of West of Michael Maguire's coaching career. West Tigers 21 defeated Parramatta Eels 20. On a momentous occasion for Parramatta, 
where they were welcoming back their Hall of Fame members for their 75th anniversary, but there was one noticeable absentee. Uh, Jay. <coughs> but the West Tigers looked as good as they looked all season, in my view. And Parramatta, gee, they looked freaking flat. They did. They made too many mistakes. Just, you know, when it looked like they'd have a chance to capitalise, mm-hmm. they knocked the ball on. And then oh. on the other angle, when the Tigers had a chance to capitalise on the ill mistake, mm-hmm. they would take advantage of it. It is That game was the definition of an ambush. I had a sneaky hunch watching that game that I might see an ambush. But with everything that's gone on this week with the Tigers, I just doubted it. Well... Unfortunately, we all forgot just how good Jackson Hastings is at playing rugby league. Oh, mate, that field goal! Ice in the veins. Seriously, I've got to, I've got to find that clip and use it now. I do not care if we get censored for this. I need to use that clip. And the scary part is, all right, everyone's forgetting the scary part with Hastings. All this experience, man of steel in the Super League, played for Great Britain, played for England. He's still only twenty six. In the fucking veins, mate. Fucking you, <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's Jackson Hastings in a nutshell. 80th minute, short pass, no pocket. Or it was almost a two-point field goal. He could have taken a step back and kicked the two-pointer. I gave it a because Fox screwed me up. I gave it a two-point field goal on my match center. <laughs> so I had to quickly go to the Live blog, actual website, copy and paste and just switch and just put walk off two point and click talk about the two point part. <laughs> but also, Reese, this game brings us our second installment of Hux's rant of the week. Oh, I didn't even see this one. I was at work. I didn't so he was rant. absolutely ripping Mitchell Moses a new one. He said, Mitchie Mo Clutch, next sentence. He is now 100,000 to one to hit this conversion. Then someone says, missing it on purpose for the field goal. Huck replies, either that or he wants to give his good mate Brooksy a chance to be the hero. (laughs) It gets even better. Does anyone have Moses' stats on conversions, field goals in close games and not long to go? Don't think they'd be pretty. In competition with 2011-2016 Mitchell Pierce for most useless field goal kicker. (laughs) Wow, that was a good one. I'm, that is a very good one, Hux. That is spicy. It gets even better. Goes missing in big moments. I don't think that's necessarily true. He's come through in big moments in the past, but purely in terms of field goals and conversions, he's the worst in the comp at clutch times. Has he not seen Adam Reynolds? In that a is South Sydney jumper. For the wrong reasons, AJ. In but... a South Sydney jersey at Suncorp. Look, I'm going to pretend you never said that. Um, And look, I think he's on the money there with Mitchie Moses. I've never seen Mitch Moses hit a meaningful field goal. It's always been either to go up seven or whatnot, hasn't it? As the rain is absolutely belting down now in um, Glenmore Park. So I think God is a Paramount Hills fan. (laughs) So... Yeah, Eels fans, congrats. You got the big one on your side. Still hasn't won your premiership in 35, in 36 years. So, um, Luke Brooks got robbed of Dally M votings by Greg Inglis. He gave two to Nofaluma. Oh, that's disgusting. I gave two to Brooksy for League Unlimited. Look, I'll just put it this way. Whenever someone gives more than one Dally M vote to a winger, they're doing it wrong. I gave three to Ravawala. You're doing it wrong. To be fair, to be fair, he did score the hat-trick that basically sealed the game against the Warriors. I'm just waiting for it. Mm. AJ, you're doing it wrong. We're we're in the bunker right now. We're in the bunker. Cheers, we've got a captain's challenge. (laughs) AJ's disputing Reese's verdict. I've gone up to the bunker. Inconclusive? Inconclusive evidence. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Reese, how do you want to do this? Do you want to go briefing into team lists or team lists into briefing? Uh, let's go briefing than the team list. Briefing's around six, team lists around seven. We'll do it chronologically. Okay, so um, Graham Annesley this week has appealed for coaches to avoid fueling the misconception 
but lower placed teams receive less favourable decisions than those near the top of the Telstra Premiership ladder. Annesley used his briefing today to try and put an end to the growing narrative around contentious calls since Justin Holbrook spoke out about refereeing decisions against his team in their round one loss to Parramatta. Well, if he started the narrative, why wasn't he fined? Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he wasn't to this day. Yeah. With other coaches, commentators and journalists having since weighed into the debate, it's been an ongoing talking point. Make it clear. We've got rules in place and always have. If coaches overstep the mark, but this isn't just coaches. It is members of media and it does the round on social media. Buzz, we're pointing the finger at you here. It is just a growing Hashtag noise. Blame and... buzz. Hashtag blame buzz. Cancel buzz. It won't go <laughs> far, but if we can get that dinosaur off the platform, we're going for it. It is just a growing noise in the background, but when coaches are saying these things, they are respected people in our game, and of course fans are going to listen and take notice of it. Absolutely, coaches have a responsibility to the game, and I can't put it in any other terms except to say it is misguided and is a misconception. Are we ha- I'm happy with what Graham Annesley said there. Of course there are decisions that go against the team you support, and of course the other coach will be equally upset if the decision had gone the other way. But I guarantee you, you go to the eight coaches that won every week, there'd still be decisions there that they want explaining. Yeah. He's 100% right. No coach is perfectly satisfied with a refereeing performance. There's always, even as a winning fan, I still blow up at some things. Definitely. And you'd be the same as well. Well, the Broncos haven't done much winning in the last three years, so I can't really comment. <laughs> okay, but on to the decisions that have created some talking points and honestly went through today. He played audio from some selected scenes in the opening 26 minutes of Friday's Rabbitohs Bulldogs match before Jeremy Marshall King was sick, in which referee Jared Sutton could be heard issuing repeated warnings on the run after five consecutive six again calls and two penalties. So I'm happy if they continue to give warnings on the run, but at least make it, they could make it a little bit clearer, in my view. Well, at the end of the day, when it's all six against, you can't time off. Toward the captain directly. That defeats the whole purpose. But like at a stoppage off at a scrum or something, or off a penalty yeah. Yeah. You, that they receive. Right but at the end of the day, you know, this is the real way that referees should be approaching attacking wrestling in the ruck. Yeah, 100%. And right. It works, in my opinion. There was so, also some, there was also controversy over whether Jade, Dragons forward Jade and Sewer had been offside where he dived at the ball that had been tapped back by Zach Lomax off the short kickoff that landed in the 78th minute. Newcastle coach Adam O'Brien questioned the decision to play on, as did Matt Thompson and Andrew Johns, and fans shared screenshots on social media showing Sewer in front of Lomax. However, Annesley said Sewer had got himself in a position behind or level where Lomax had touched the ball when he dived on it, which places him onside. Let me... Can I dumb this down further for some fans? Yep. If the ball is tapped backwards, it's literally impossible for a player who's catching it to be offside. Yes. Because for the ball to go backwards, it has to travel behind the point of the touch, behind the point where the player who touched it was, Mm -hmm. which means any player that picks it up is therefore onside. Annesley Furborn on the side, the referee could have easily ruled that offside. I don't think he would have been right if he did, but it is so tight. So and I'm happy they, to go. The only way that was getting ruled offside was if they called it a knock-on from Lomax, which they were not going to do. Yeah. Um, Annesley Furborn on to say, but teams now in the bottom end of the ladder often can see more penalties because they have less defence, less possession, and are often doing more defending. Fair point there. Right. 100% However... Right. However, this, there is some incorrect decisions to come out of the Roosters-Warriors game, both of which which favoured the home side. Cue the outrage. Um, cue the Sally Sombrero music. <laughs> Roosters forward Angus Crider was ruled not to have played a role in dislodging Adam Fanua Blake with possession of the footy, despite having a hand on the ball. But Adam Pompey was penalised when his foot dislodged the ball as Crider was playing it. You can't get away from the fact that the action defender in both cases played some part in the possession of losing at the ball. I think in both cases, they both should have been penalties. Agreed 100%. I was, I am, I was watching that one in Terrigal and I was thinking that was a good challenge. And then all of a sudden we got the ball back and I was completely confused. Uh, that's you. What are you going to do is you've got to put the Mark Goldbridge 
thing over it where he's like, that's not a penalty, that's not a penalty. Look at it on the replay, you can see here, that's an absolute penalty. Oh, no, you know what we should use? The, the Pempers. Penref. Penref! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously, you know, it's good to see that they're admitting that, that there was inconsistencies because there were a lot of Warriors fans mad on Twitter about that game. So Exactly right. Okay, Team List Tuesday, we're going to go through this a bit of rapid fire, except for the Brisbane one because you want to touch on a few things. Yeah, but it's a whole new Brisbane team pretty much. Okay, Cronulla v Manly. Cronulla, Dale Finucan is out with a HIA while Bladen Ueli has a pectoral injury. Cameron McInnes shifts to lock. Tolman moves to prop with, Ho- with Royce Hunt joining the bench. Sione Katara and Bryn Nakora are named after missing the Storm Clash. Thankfully, Sano Dan is happy that Maureen Harotti is in the reserves. Manly, Morgan Harper returns with uh, Tulahau Kola dropping to the reserves. Oshay Ole's injury sees him replaced up front by Taniela Paseka. Sean Kepi is also out with Ethan Bullimore and Kurt DeLuy moving to the bench. I'll just explain the Brisbane changes first and Reese can go into a little bit more deets. Yeah. Um, for the Broncos, Tamari Martin makes his return at fullback to replace Tessie New, who's out with another hamstring injury. Herbie Farnworth returns at centre. Tyson Gamble goes into the halves to replace Billy Walters, who is benched. Deloise Hoyter returns to the reserves, while Ryan James and Jake Turpin are both out with injury, which sees Corey Pakes starting at hooker and Tom Flegler replacing Ryan James in the on the bench. Okay. I'm going to pick you up on one consistency there. Turpin isn't injured. Oh, did they drop him left, right they out? They dropped him. He's been training with the reserves today. Oh, wow. I thought he might have got injured. No, he's been training with the reserves. So that's that's comfortable. Um, so obviously the big contentious point I've seen is the decision to play Tamari Martin at fullback. Mm-hmm. I think it makes sense. He's the type of player that can play either fullback or 5'8 on a win. Yep. You know, given the fact he was out of rugby league all of the last two years pretty much. It does make sense to play him at the position which requires less defensive workload. Yep. And on top of that, given that Gamble is the number six, he's effectively going to be acting as a 5'8 in the attack most of the game. Uh-huh. Um, and then Gamble at 5'8, I like it. You have that second play- playmaker in Martin. You don't need to put a third one in at 5'8. Bring in Gamble, allow him to use his intensity to lift the team like we saw last year in that game against Titans. Yep. For the forward pack, uh, Corey Pay. You know, obviously I have my thoughts on him. you got a love-hate relationship with the bloke, don't you? Love-hate relationship. I love the way he is a change of pace walker to what we're used to with Turpin, what we've been used to for so many years with Andrew McCulloch. Mm-hmm. But I just, his defense worries me. In the middle? Yeah, but I'm going to give him a chance to prove me wrong. I'm an open-minded bloke. Uh, pause. Um, but, yeah, I'll give him a chance to prove me wrong. Okay. He, and then off the bench, you know, I've seen someone say, why are we running three props off the bench in Kennedy, Flegler, and Palazia? Palazia mm-hmm. can easily play back row. Yep. So, for me, that's not an issue. And the alternative is, if all three are going to play prop, then that means we're going to have someone fresh on the field partnering Payne Haas every single time. Exactly. Which to me works really well. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah, and Walter's on the bench, back in the utility role, which I think is the best position for him. So, works for me. 100%. Okay, your rant over? Yep, my rant over. Canterbury now. Uh, Corey Waddell returns to the back row after missing Friday's loss. A hamstring injury will see Braden Burns sideline for the next two months. Aaron Schopp moves into the back line. Chris Patolo misses out altogether. Cowboys v Titans. The Cowboys' Griffith Neem returns on the bench. We have Commonly Lululu dropping out of the side. Ben Hampton is also missing from the side that downed Canberra last week. Hamaso Tabuaythido appears in the reserves as an outside chance to return. For the Titans, no changes to see, but Jaden Campbell's name is in the reserves in case he's fit enough to return early. Uh, the West Tigers v South Sydney. The Tigers opt for no changes after last after yesterday's incredible victory over Parramatta. South Sydney, uh, Darby Moali returns on the bench with uh, Isaiah Tass pushed back to the reserves. Tom Burgess is benched on the week of his 30th birthday and Harme Sele, excuse me, starts at prop. 
Newcastle v Parramatta. Newcastle, Adam Clune returns at half after a knee injury forced his withdrawal on Sunday. Carlin Ponga remains at fullback with his contract dispute still not settled. Phoenix Crossland returns to the bench and Simi Sagasi is out of the 17. Heimel Hunt is listed on the reserves as he works his way back. Parramatta junior Paulo will return from suspension. Oregon Kafusi is benched as a result. Murat Nakore is out injured again. Hayes Perham returns on the wing while Will Panasini moves to his preferred position. Mitch Rain is pushed out of the 17 with the coach's son named on the bench. <laughs> See what I did there? Nepotism. Nepotism in its best. Never change a winning formula. Penrith v Canberra. Penrith have opted to remain an unchanged lineup, continuing their stability at the club this season. Canberra. Jordan Rappiner moves to fullback. Chance to clock star benched once again. Xavier Savage is on the wing. Reese, I want your thoughts quickly. Is it a smoke screen for a move to fullback? It's definitely a smoke screen for a move to fullback. There's no way Rapana plays fullback this weekend. No way in hell. Wanted to make it that point cross. Dragons v Roosters. Winners are Grinners. No changes for the Dragons. While for the Roosters, Paul Mororowski returns after being a late withdrawal last week. Kevin Agama is out as Joseph Sawali solidifies his spot on the wing. CSU Atakayaho is named again, this time on the bench after being a late withdrawal. Verrills and Hutchison swap back, but we all know that's just mind games from Trent Robinson. Storm v Warriors. Bromwich Brummers assemble. Jesse and Kenny return. Brandon Smith and Trent Lillerio drop out of the bench. Drop, sorry, to the bench with Chris Lewis and Alec McDonald out of the 17. For the Warriors, Matt Lodge returns with Aaron Penne benched and Taniela Otoluko pushed to the reserves. Jastavonga makes an, makes an ominous return to the reserves upon his return for suspension and may line up for Redcliffe on the weekend instead. That is this week's team news. Reese. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, that was a roller coaster. I will say Paul Momorowski coming back for the Roosters is a massive advantage to the Dragons. Especially on the uh, side of defence. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to go against Zach Lomax all game. That's not going to be fun. Very fun. But also now, it is time for our low cow of the week. Mm. I will join me to go first. Go first. You always do. Okay, my low cow of the week is actually off the field this week. And this week's recipient, um, Liam Knight, this week. Now, you're probably wondering, AJ, what's Liam Knight done this time? Remember, he did spray air in his mouth, trying to avoid an RBT. That deserved yeah. lol cow of the year back then, and he's in even more trouble now. Liam Knight was walking Jai Arrow's dogs. Think, so far, so good. But the dog mauled a little dog and knocked over a lady walking the dog. So you probably think, oh, Liam will stay in hell, make sure everyone's okay. Guess what he decided to do? Oh, don't tell me. He did a fucking runner. <laughs> he oh. did a runner. Unbelievable. That's not even law care. That's just legal. Um, he hasn't spoken to police. So he's been interviewed by police and council inspectors. The Rabbitohs have reported the incident with the integrity unit. Police have also taken charge during the investigation. Yeah, and... I will say one good thing. Jai Arrow has already offered to pay for the medical fees for the other dogs. So, Okay, Jai Arrow. I'm enjoying Jai Arrow now. He's, he's come back in my good graces, Jai. He is very confusing. He is. He's done a lot of bad things and also a lot of good things. All right. What's yours? Okay, so I'm going to give, um, first of all, two mini lol cows before my major one. Yep. So mini lol cow number one goes to... This poor um, rap or American hip-hop account who put out a tweet back in February that Kendrick Lamar had retired (laughs) only for Kendrick to use that tweet as a quote tweet to announce his new album. Oh, my God. Um, So, yeah, that's fun. Second mini lol cow is to the NBA referees for in today's game between... Be careful. I'm not bagging the referee's performance as much as I am bagging the Philadelphia 76ers here. Okay. Um, but in today's performance for the 76ers, their superstar big man, Joel Embiid, shot, I'm just pulling it up here. 20 free throws? 14 free throws. Oh, okay. As well. a team. 
the 76ers had 22 free throws in the first quarter alone. Oh, wow. So NBA refs, come on, pull your act together. You can clearly see that these guys are flopping and you're still giving them calls. It's so weird. But anyway. Can you just check if um, Scott Foster or Tim Donaghy are on the crew? Well, apparently one of the guys on the crew is a Philadelphia native. Oh, God. We all know that works out well. Exactly. But my main lol cow for this week (laughs) is Dr. Helmut Marco of Formula One's Red Bull Racing. What's he done? So, he obviously Red Bull haven't had the best start to the season. Um, they've had a couple of retirements with world champion Max Verstappen, a retirement with Sergio Perez as well. And their sister team, Alpha Tauri, has also had two retirements due to engine issues. Mm-hmm. Helmut Marco came out and said in a public interview that there was no issue with the Red Bull engines. Yep. After five retirements in three races. Didn't he also criticize Max Verstappen? He did. He said Verstappen was pushing the car too hard. So you know what that reminds me of? Saying there was no issue? What? The culture is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) So come on, Helmut Marco, I know you're not, you always say things to stir up the media, but this one just doesn't make sense. He did say though, that this week in Imola, the problem should be addressed. And that's something that Honda have told the team. Mm-hmm. So let's see what happens with them there. It's something I'll be following keenly. I'm sure if you follow my Twitter, you'll see me post tweets about it at 1am as well. 100%. Um, bold prediction for Anzac weekend, my friend. Uh, bold prediction for Anzac weekend. That's a very good question. What games are there? There's not... Do you want me to take you through them? Too many big games, except obviously the two Monday games. Um, Thursday nights are cracker, Sharks and Manly. You know, it depends on which Manly turns up. Um, Knights v Power, both sides have something to prove after last week. All right, Can't... you know what? Here's my bold prediction. You want to know my bold prediction? Go for it. Kalen Ponga, three Dalian points. Okay, spicy. I think this is. I think this is going to be a bounce back game for him. With all okay. the rumors flying around, you know, obviously he knows whether or not the Knights have withdrawn their extension. Mm-hmm. So, mine borderlines on stupid, but I, I need, hate when you say that because they usually come true. I need the last team to beat Penrith in Penrith was the Canberra Raiders back in July 2019. They yeah, came in, again. I think it could happen again. They've got a lot to prove. They've got uh, Harry Rushton making his debut on the bench. They've got a lot of wraps on him. I think if they get their good pack with Papa Lee and Tarpany, they can match him in the middle. If no one gets hurt, Wyden has an opportunity to shine and potentially steal a New South Wales centre spot. And I really think that this could be an ambush. That is very, very bold, AJ. And I don't know if I agree or disagree. There's just too many variables to agree or disagree. Yes. Then there, a lot needs to go right for this to come true. I'm the first to admit it. But I've got to be bold eventually. And I know... Nat Sinclair and all my PFA mates are going to absolutely go to town on me for this. Especially but if you get it wrong. Especially if I get it wrong and they go 7-0. and But I think that it's a real possibility of happening. There's a risk-reward. It's risk-reward. Risk if you get this right, we'll have to work out something to do on next week's podcast if you get this right. AJ predicts returns for a one-off exclusive. <laughs> Good God. No, we're not doing that. Um, Thank Christ. Look, yeah, we'll have to find something to do because I'm completely in disagreement with you here. So... Is this a what? I think this might be a wager. <laughs> you know? This week on Pink Slips. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to work out something to do. Maybe, maybe we'll work out something to do during the week and post it on Twitter on Sunday morning before the game. 
you know I'm in the middle of a very, very deep rebuild right now. I'm sorry, a very deep clear out of my house. And we're going to absolutely destroy this thing soon. So <laughs> make it something to do around there. And I'm, I just want to say something very briefly too. I apologize if there's a little bit of echo because we are in the process of clearing out our house. And next week I'm going to be doing the podcast from a brand new mini studio where I'll be based out of for around 12 months before I come back. And I don't think I've told Reese yet, so it's a bit of a podcast exclusive. We are getting our own studio. Oh, fuck yeah. We are, we are upgrading, boys. We get, we've, the budget's been lifted. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Season two of the league scene is going to be legendary. It is going to be legendary. And on that note, that wraps us up. For the Easter weekend, I'm AJ Luke Antonio. Big thanks to Reese Sullivan for joining us. Thank you for having me as usual, AJ. And we'll catch you next week for another Tuesday edition of the League Scene as we recap the Anzac Week. It's goodbye from me. Ladies and guys.